0: Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 208th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 697th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of April 8th, 2021. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. The show. Well, I figured I would use this week's Banner Moment as, uh, as my chance to talk about all the things that have happened because I had already planned to be uh, to miss the show last week with the, the family on spring break and uh, have not had, from a work perspective, the chance to jump on any of these impromptu shows. Uh, although, if Jared and Jay do any more, um, you know, podcast in from the car, I do have uh, plenty of people that I'm driving back and forth to soccer practice, so maybe that's the, the sweet spot for me. Uh, but obviously, since I've been on uh, a lot of a lot of great news. Even if you just look at this week, uh, and we'll we'll hit on these during the show. Obviously, you had TJD deciding to come back, and yes, that was actually since the last episode of Assembly Call Radio. Uh, Dane Fife announces an assistant, Christian Lander, Jordan Geronimo, and Race Thompson all announcing their return. Xavier Johnson announcing that he committed, uh, and and just a continued wave of excitement around the program. And you know, we'll we'll talk about what that means uh, as as we go through the show tonight, but. You know, just as you look back at what's happened in these ten, eleven days since Woodson was named the coach, uh, short of the news coming out tonight that Armand Franklin was transferring to Virginia, I think it's gone about as well as it can go. And even at this point, you still have a couple of scholarships left. But I think the, the the what seems to be the couple constant drumbeats for me: one, the returning guys all all have affirmed a belief in what Woodson has to say and his plan for the program, and two it's also becoming a theme that he is uh, a straight shooter and really not afraid to tell guys things they don't want to hear. You know, Trace said that in his press conference, Uh, some of the comments from Xavier Johnson uh, represented some of the same notions. And I think that mindset is really important and speaks to the player relationship piece that we talked about so much when Woodson came on and and how that was missing uh, in a lot of cases during the Archie era. So uh, I think the things that you really thought Woodson could bring to the table off the floor have been on display and have, have worked well. Uh, We'll see what he does with these last couple of scholarships. and, And obviously the X's and O's piece and what it looks like on the court. Uh, it remains to be seen, but uh, a really positive week and a half or so for uh, for IU and, and the program in general. So uh, a lot for us to talk about. Sometimes these off-season shows uh, are a little light uh, in topics, and that is uh, anything but the case tonight. So uh, a show full of good news uh, for sure is my banner moment for this week. And with that, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for tonight. Uh, Ryan is off. Uh, holding a one-person candlelight vigil for Fernando Tatis Jr. outside of Petco Park, uh, has vowed to stay there until the young phenom has recovered from his shoulder injury. But he is excited to be on the show again soon, so he can bring you the Xavier Johnson scouting report you're all waiting for. For those of you who have seen Ryan lately, um, he's getting a good look at it with his glasses. I, it was jarring. He was on a, a debate show today, which I believe he he won in the finals. Um, but it is still odd seeing him with glasses. I don't think in any of the time we've done it uh, that has been the case. So, a bespectacled Ryan Phillips uh, sitting outside Petco Park is uh, an image we can all uh, we can all enjoy. And uh, then you got Jared off doing dad stuff, preparing his 17 bullet blog post for why Rob Finneysey will blast him into an All Big Ten guard as a senior. Uh, but I do have a couple a uh, couple folks with me tonight who are more than qualified to talk about all the goings on with IU basketball over the last week. So to my left. <laughs>
1: the days when a movie cost a dollar heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar play hard but remember fake hustle is a crime he's the coach and it's Sony time
0: coach you're back on for the first time in less than 12 hours uh, at this point and uh but without without students in the background so at least you got a little That's more right. freedom to uh, explore the studio space if you will uh if any 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 lingering thoughts from the day or the week that uh, you wanted to share with everybody
1: well you know coach woodson couldn't have gotten off to, to much of a better start i know the, the most recent news with with armand leaving uh is the only piece right now that could be seen as uh, a struggle and and puts him in a position to have to fill some spots possibly. But, um, you know, this, this is a, a decision that, you know, some of us have been cautiously optimistic. And for those of us who have been cautiously optimistic, there's been a lot of optimism coming out of Bloomington from hiring uh, the coaching staff to players coming back out of the, the portal. And the key thing for me is depth. Um, when you have a coaching change, uh, there's been a lot of uh, change in, in the NCAA in the last couple of years. You see a lot of people enter the portal, and they usually leave. Uh, what what five out of six uh, players coming back says is that Coach Woodson has a message, and it's resonating uh, w- with a good majority of players. And the one that decided to go elsewhere went to a program that is uh, a winning program and might be just hard to hard to turn down. So I think the optimism is growing. Coach Woodson is doing what he has to do in the first couple of weeks uh, of being on the job and and that's that's just a good change uh, from what we've been through, especially this this last year with the team uh, doing what it, it it did on the court. And so all of this is winning press conferences and winning uh, the recruiting battles. Those are things that needed to be done. They're a lot better than losing those things. And and we have a roster and a roster that will be competitive in practice, uh, that will push each other to be the best. It's a roster that needs to develop. Um, it is not just automatically they're back and we are at the top of the Big Ten uh, as a school. It's got to be developed. And that's the next step um, for Coach Woodson and staff is to develop and find out how these players mesh and put them in the right positions to succeed and the key thing for all of us is that is to continue to trust what uh wherever you are on the spectrum of his hire he is the coach and he's the coach of the university that we're choosing to root for and you got to trust him and not go up and down up and down with uh, every decision that's that's good or bad but this has been a really good week uh for indiana basketball and i think we're headed uh, for better times
0: Yeah, I probably should have rewritten Jared's uh, rationale for not being here that he was spinning up a uh, Virginia postgame show to to merge his love of Tony Bennett and Armand Franklin. But that'll that'll be for another time. He's got plenty of time to do that. Uh but our special guest tonight to my right is a longtime member of the IU Sports Beat, currently writing for the Daily Hoosier and previously for the Athletic, and one of the best IU sports Twitter follows out there. He is Dustin Dopirak. Dustin, I don't recall whether you've been on with us before or not. Um, but uh but welcome either way. We're glad to have you and uh what, what are your thoughts on what has uh, turned out to be a, a really busy week, a uh, week and a half for you? No, thank you. Uh, first of all, I
2: I know I've been on some assembly call um Podcast or something at some point. I'm not. I'm not sure which one is which at this point. You got you. Yeah. you guys are multi talented and what <laughs> You're in very di- different spheres. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've been in all of them, but um, no. I, I think I, I echo a lot of what uh, you know, coach. Coach said basically from obviously from a more objective perspective from from my angle, not necessarily rooting, but sort of evaluating this and looking at it and saying how is this thing going? Um, you know, obviously, as as he mentioned, you don't know what it's going to be like on the floor yet. You you don't know how this is going to progress, but you answering sort of one question at a time. And I think the first question you're answering is when he goes out and recruits, or even when he's recruiting his own guys, does he have a message that resonates? Can he say something to convince people that either to either come to or stay at Indiana. And so far he's been able to do both. And I, I think that's a, that's a big step. I think obviously you can see sort of what, what was the rationale for his hire? What, what, what did it make sense? Or what, what are you selling here to be able to bring players in? And he's able to sell that it's, it's a guy who has NBA experience, who knows what it looks like as a player who knows what it looks like as a coach, who knows how the game is evolving, knows where it's going. Can he sell that, that, Hey, I can get you there. That that's what his rationale is. Can he take what his sort of, you know, again, obvious rationale for being hired is and, and convert that into a message that resonates to kids to keep them. And he's been able to do that so far. Obviously uh, the Armand Franklin loss is significant. It's, it's a big deal, especially the way he wants to play basketball Um Armand fits that about as well as anybody they had and and sort of was going to be a guy that I think could really, you know, make that work quickly. And losing that is significant. He is going to have to get somebody who fills that void. They they can't not. Uh, replace him and and go into the next season and expect to be better. They have to have a, a two guard who can shoot the basketball, but but the Xavier Johnson get is a big deal. I mean, he is really impressive to watch on film. He needs to be a better shooter, but you see the explosiveness. And when you're going to play some four out one in basketball, you've got to have a guy that can, can can beat you off off the bounce, that can, that can win off the bounce and make plays that way. He is absolutely that. Keeping everybody else in line is a big deal. And going back to Friday, Trace Jackson Davis, not only committing to stay around, but basically doing a press conference that was – the best advertisement Mike Woodson could have possibly asked for. I mean, he, he did, it was probably the, the best, most open presser I've seen on the beat. And because and because rarely are those, uh, when those guys get on the podium, they, they generally clamp up. And that's been the case as long as I've been on the beat. You know, I, I missed some years in there, obviously, but even going back to the Zellard period, uh, and Vic and all those guys, even even Vic, who would sing sometimes up there, wasn't a sort of open and honest uh, as that, he, he sort of knew what his show was that he had to play. Trace just laid it all out there and did not hold back as far as what her, his issues were, not with Archie specifically, but with that era. Um, but said, hey, this is what's here and this is how much better things are going. And I think he really just. It, it, he did a phenomenal job selling it, which makes me surprised that Franklin didn't come. That didn't ultimately decide to stay. Uh, but still, I mean, that that is as good of an advertisement as, as Mike Woodson could have going forward as a guy that had an opportunity to go professional, at least in some way, shape or form, coming back and selling and say, this is why you guys need to come and play for Mike Woodson.
0: Yep, I agree. All right, so this week uh, we have a lot to cover, as I mentioned. Hoosier headlines, there are plenty of them. Uh, one of the main things that we want to hit is uh, the impact of Xavier Johnson's transfer and Ray Thompson's return. Uh, for those who haven't read it, Dustin had a really good uh, interview with Xavier Johnson on the Daily Hoosier. So, uh, great, uh, great timing to get your insight on that, Dustin. And then we'll end by answering your questions, of which there are plenty. So we'll see how many we can get to this week. So all of that is coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, But first, a quick word from a new supporter of the podcast, Playbook Products. Uh, You may have missed Jared's uh, story about them last week on the Mark Titus episode, but Playbook Products makes unique stone and leather coasters, as well as mugs that feature diagrams of famous plays in sports history. So for IU, the featured plays are the Watt Shot, uh, Keith Smart's shot to win the 87 championship, Kirk Haston's shot against Michigan State, and the final play of the 76 NCAA championship game that clinched the last undefeated season – Still, the last undefeated season in college basketball history, and uh, a few weeks ago, I or a few years ago, I, I happened to get these uh, for Jared as a gift. So I was surprised when he uh, was texting me about, "Hey, do you remember? Do you remember this?" And, uh, and and getting me these, and that they had reached out and wanted to uh, to to put an ad on the show. So uh, very very cool the the way things work out. And I know um, had really great customer service experience when I ordered them for Jared some years ago, and now you can get them too. Uh, and you can support the Assembly Call in the process. So if you go to assemblycall.com slash pp, that's assemblycall.com slash pp uh, for playbook products. Uh, and then you can go there, browse their items. Um, certainly look at the IU items, but uh, don't stop there. They have similar coasters and mugs for every NFL team, every MLB team, every NBA team, and every NHL team, plus a number of other colleges. So in other words there's something for you or any sports fan in your life at Playbook Products and when you see that you when you use that URL assemblycall.com/pp they know that we sent you and we get a 15 percent commission on your entire order in fact we sent an email out about playbook products last week and now 40 plus sets of coasters have already been purchased using our url which makes sense it's an incredible product and our audience never fails to step up and support us so go to assemblycall.com pp and pick out your coasters and mugs today again that's assemblycall.com pp all right well who's your headlines this uh like i said sometimes this is a light section during this part of the season, but it is anything but this week. Um, and this is all again since last week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. Uh, and and you would know that because uh and, and maybe it doesn't seem that way because Jared has been uh, spinning up these uh, these emergency episodes after each one of these. But you've got Trace Jackson Davis bypassing the NBA draft to stay at IU, Dane Fife announces an assistant, Christian Lander announces his return, Jordan Geronimo announces his return. Xavier Johnson commits to IU. Race Thompson announces his return. And Armand, this evening before the show, announced his transfer to Virginia. So all the players for IU who went into the portal uh, are now accounted for in one way or another. And then, uh, of course, you had Baylor beating Gonzaga to preserve the 76 team's place in history. So, uh, you know, Coach... Which sitting the the TJD news aside, you know which of these was was most surprising to you as you you kind of looked at them, uh, one by one uh, from the last week.
1: Um, you know, if, if you go surprising to me, uh, I, I'm going to probably say race because I, I thought there was a strong pull to go home, um, and he had already been here for four years, and, and you could see that you know. Um, I'm not inside his discussions or anything, but you from the outside you could see where you've given four years to Indiana University. Uh maybe you do want to go and play for a school where your dad played football and all of those things. So that was lingering out there um, for me without any confirmation or anything. I'm I'm not digging up sources and all of those kinds of things. Um, you can understand um, you know, again eliminating Trace Jackson Davis, you can understand Christian Lander and, and Jordan Geronimo. Uh, coming back, I guess the next one ma- might have been Christian because you would assume that he had a lot more options being a five-star point guard that a lot of schools might have come looking for him. And as a freshman with the restart with the COVID rule, um, that might have been though. So I think if, for me, the surprises were between Race and and, and Christian. Uh, not really surprised that our Ar- Armand left when when you're when you're that talented uh, and the and a suitor comes like Virginia and, and you can go and it, it's. I don't want to say it's guaranteed that they're going to win, but uh, th- they're likely to be a, a top-five seed next year, uh, and he can experience that. Indiana is hoping, and it's headed maybe uh, to a better success than what they've had in the past, but there's there's no guarantee that that jump will be made that he can make going to Virginia. So in, in asking, answering the surprising one, uh, for me, uh, Race Thompson coming back. Yeah, Dustin, what about you? Any of those stand
0: out as particularly uh, catching you off guard over the course of the last week?
2: Yeah, I don't know if that caught me off guard, but I I would say Ray Thompson for similar reasons. I mean, not only did he have the pullback home, it seemed like Minnesota uh, certainly had some interest. They obviously have made a new hire who's a Minnesota guy. And I think the other thing is I'm interested to see how he fits because it's not obvious to me. Um, I, I think he obviously fits defensively. As Mike Woodson put it, he wants guys that can defend multiple positions. Ray Thompson can certainly do that. Uh, he, he certainly should be able to defend everything from three to the five, and he can hang in there if you get him in a ball screen action. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that has a lot of talent, obviously, was, was I think, you could argue their best all-around player in 2020, 20, in 2021, 20, just his, his ability to, you know, steals, blocks, rebounds. I mean, he he really had it all and was efficient offensively. Um, but them doing playing a more spread-out style uh, leads to the possibility of him getting less playing time because, I mean – he did show he could shoot some three-pointers in high school. So it's not like he has no shooting ability. It's not like he doesn't have any range. Um, but he's got most of his work done offensively with his back to the basket or just close to around the rim uh, at Indiana. So it's going to be interesting to see, is he able to be a stretch four? Do you end up playing – does that get you a lot of time for Trace at the four? Um, is, is that what that ends up doing? Um so that's kind of my big question. There is okay. What was Mike Woodson able to sell? If if I were Race Thompson, I would look at uh, his system and say, you know what, maybe I'm the the odd guy out here. Maybe, maybe I'm the guy for who this whom this does not fit. Um, and I, I'm you know I'm the round peg in the square hole sort of situation. So I'm interested to see how Woodson was able to sell him. Franklin surprised me a little bit just because he is an you know he is an Indiana guy. He's from right up the road to Cathedral really tight family, all that kind of stuff. I wasn't sure if he would go that far out. Um, but all the same, as as Coach said, it's, you know, you bring Virginia in there, and I think Illinois and, and Louisville, where there, there's it's programs that have generally won and won recently um, – and have a space for him you know have a place have an opportunity where, where he can matter I mean I think he's going to have uh, a lot of opportunity to start you know he will probably be the starting two guard for that Virginia team I think that, I don't know if they're gonna have if Trey Murphy's gonna come back or not um but if he does or if he doesn't he can either play alongside Murphy or you know be the guy that sort of takes over if if Murphy Murphy moves on and tries to play professionally you know putting him next to Key Ki, Hey Clark I mean that's you know that's a pretty good situation uh that he would be in um but so i am a, i am a little bit surprised of it also you're playing a more slow down you know you know down tempo uh going back to the pack line situation obviously they've been able to execute it better and win that way um but it's still going back to that if, if you were bored and annoyed by the way archie miller was playing you're going to play slower now uh, even slower and even more, even more disciplined. Um, but it is an interesting exchange. So that that one did surprise me. But obviously, uh, you know, getting Xavier Johnson on the on on the side you know is is big news as well that i think kind of counteracts uh, a decent bit about it. I, I figured lander was going to want to stay just because after i got to talk to his dad a couple times and uh you know he definitely gave me the indication that he wanted something free and open um and from talking to him after christian recommitted it was like that that's what they showed him is it, like, this is what a point guard can do in mike woodson's offense and he was like that is what christian lander can be and i thought that was a pretty easy seller geronimo from a style standpoint made sense too i wasn't sure about maybe geographically if he'd, he'd want to go back he'd want to go back he would want to go back but from a style of play, I thought it made a lot of sense for Jordan Geronimo to stick around.
0: So if we kind of shift gears, which of those, again, I'm going to say outside the, the TJD one, um, and Dustin, I'll throw this one to you first. You know, Which of those do you think is – is maybe the most important. And, and we kind of had it phrased here as, as short-term versus long-term let, let's let just kind of focus on the, the short-term next one to two years, which, which of those do you think ends up paying the most dividends for both the program and, and Mike Woodson over these next couple of years? Are we still counting pa- Parker Stewart in this one? Uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, sure. We can throw that one in there. Cause I, I know, I think that one may have been, I don't know. Remember that was inside or outside of the time frame we're looking at, but yeah, that's not, that's fine. I throw, think it's throw outside the
2: timeframe. Yeah. All in. But, but if, <laughs> if we're just looking at who was in the portal and who stayed, I, I think Stewart is the most important because more than anything else to make this thing work, to make four out one in work and to play as wide open as they want to, they've got to be able to space the floor with shooters and guys who hit shots. I mean, early on this season, uh, there was some level of spacing. Um, you know, they, they were, they had some guys because basically they were able to throw guys out there that could at least conceivably hit threes. And then some of them did and some of them didn't. And, you know, teams were able to go back to packing it in uh, at a certain point because of, of the lineups you could put out there. Because you were putting race and, and trace out there together uh, for so many minutes, those guys were going to be on the block. So you sort of lost some level of spacing there. Um, and, you know, you, you weren't necessarily getting killed by the point guard, at least whether it was Finney or whether it was Lander um, shooting the ball. Obviously, Durham and Franklin, you had to be concerned about. But if you in, in, in the periods where Franklin was off the floor when he was injured, you were able to pack it in. Um, so, it's big to have one guy out there that's going to knock him down. And Stewart is the one guy that's going to go out there and be proven. He's hit 71 threes in each of his two seasons. Um, you know, Hunter's got to step up and prove it, depending on what kind of situation he's in. Um, and, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Lander obviously. Um, lander helps Geronimo helps you know Ray, Ray thompson tjd those guys are all really important but they needed a guy that who was going to be able to reliably shoot the basketball and if they would have lost stewart too they would not have had that guy and they would have needed to get somebody from outside johnson can make a lot of plays he's a big huge addition and he he matters a great deal uh but if you're going to make this thing work someone's got to space the floor And 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 for now at least the one guy that you can sort of count on to do that is parker stewart
0: yeah, Johnson's gotta have somebody to make place four at some point too. So that's where the other part where Stuart uh becomes uh becomes key. Coach, what what are your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, I, I'm gonna agree with, with Stuart. I'm gonna agree with the next most important one is the guy we don't know yet that's gonna shoot like Stuart. I, I think you gotta bring in a stretch or, uh, or a bigger, you know, three four type, or it's a two guard. You're you're gonna need one more shooter. Uh, I think now that Armand has decided to go somewhere else. but So I agree. Uh, but I'm going to talk about the importance of Xavier uh, with, with his mindset of getting downhill. Um, and, and hopefully we can get Rob to do that. I believe Christian has that ability too when he gets some run. Uh, I'm a big believer – in pace, pace, pace. The college game is played with pace. And that's not just necessarily fast break basketball. It is just moving the basketball, shooting when you get a good opportunity. And I'm interested to see Woodson's NBA background because the twenty-four, you know, second shot clock, they're used to getting into stuff and, and and taking the first open shot. Not necessarily, I thought Indiana tried too hard to get the perfect shot. Um, last year. Everyone was upset about the offense being stagnant and everything. I think it was just an overemphasis on getting the perfect shot instead of taking shots um, that that were there earlier in the shot clock. So pace, pace, pace. Some of it is get the ball down fast, but it's also can you drive? Can you make people? um, So while I agree wholeheartedly that Stewart is the most important one coming back, for next year, I think bringing in a guy like uh, Johnson, who's had some double digits in a in a major conference, and has an attitude. Now, some of that needs to be calmed down from what I hear about arguing with officials and getting technicals and 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 stuff like that. But I am really happy with that addition because that'll push Rob to do more of that. And when Rob did that, he was better. Um, and we saw Christian have some really outstanding vision. And that gives him time to develop, too, and not be pushed into a 30-minute role if he has to. So this could be a really important uh, piece as well. But I agree. The, the shooter coming back was 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 the most important. I think the second most is getting another one, to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I think the two guys that are new, Stewart and Johnson, really help elevate this roster for those people who are doubting, you know, the 12 and 15, bringing the same guys back kind of attitude um that you know new talent uh helps but it, there still needs to be some more while all of these guys develop up to their potential and they're not you know rushed to have to make a big leap in in one year under the first year of coach woodson
0: yeah i, I agree with you coach and uh, in terms of those two guys and and we'll get into this this later some of the the notions that are out there about you know, you're bringing back a bunch of guys why are you, why are people excited about that you know i think it's important to look at those additions. You've got a year of growth for other players. You've got the new system, but the other, you know, both those guys that that the two of you mentioned really bring things that were lacking on last year's team. One with Johnson being a a real downhill playmaker, aggressive guy driving to the basket that can make plays for others. Uh, And, and the other is a guy who can, can really shoot it from the outside. So if you think of it that way, under normal circumstances, if you looked at a roster and said, Hey, what were the holes? And then you saw that you brought two guys in to plug some of those, I think normally you'd feel pretty good about it, and uh, I think you know rightfully so as uh, as, as we move forward. So uh, with that, we'll take a uh, quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to dive into the nitty gritty of what all of this may look like on the court, including some insight from Dustin's conversation with Xavier Johnson about what he plans to bring. Stick with us on the Assembly Hall.
3: Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly, must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly, must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.
0: All right, welcome, Chat Mob. Everybody's not uh, tired of us yet, so that's a, always a positive sign.
1: Everyone's going to go through some major withdrawal in about a week or two as everything settles down, and they just go into weightlifting and individual workouts. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, know breaking one, news.
2: Yeah, what do we do? Yeah, <laughs> when
1: they've got a third assistant hired, they've
2: got whatever tr- whatever other transfer they're going to get. Yeah, and we're past it. Yeah, no, totally. It's gonna it's gonna hit a wall like. Late April, beginning of May.
0: Even Coach yep. is going to be jonesing for those social media videos of, of guys really, really getting after it in the offseason. No, not even you won't, won't be at that point, Coach, because baseball season will be in swing and you're, you're able to move
1: on. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, those are important for recruiting purposes. So they're important for the program. For this old codger, man, <laughs> I, I do not <laughs> I don't need to see some guy flexing his muscles in the weight room. I see I need to see the three ball going in on November. That's yeah. that's what that's what I wanna I, I wanna mm. see. But I'm old. Mm. Mm. And I'm a coach, you know. Yeah, what you? Don't love your team until the season's over. That's what we that's what we coaches <laughs> say. Don't fall in love with your team too early. Because there's always bound for something to something <laughs> to rear its ugly head. You gotta keep keep on top of stuff. Oh yeah,
0: true, true. Well, we've always got Nick Castellanos flexing for those who are Reds fans out there. So if you need to see guys flexing, you can just watch that. Well, that gets you that earns you a two game suspension. We learned this week, so we got that going for us. Wow. So, so anyway, all right. Well, we have enough stuff. We probably don't need to to uh, hammer out a bunch of stuff between segments here as we go in here. So uh, so Dustin, we'll definitely hit the Xavier Johnson stuff uh, first, and then uh, and then talk a little bit about race and some of the overall. Overall stuff after that, and like I said, we got a ton of questions, so we can uh, we can hit as many of those, and I'll maybe leave a few for other uh, other times for sure. So, alrighty, uh, I will get us going.
3: This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater, the full court dribble, and perfectly placed pass to set it all up? And, of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers.
0: And welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content over at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between-segment banter, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and Dustin DePirac from the Daily Hoosier. And I uh, wanted to talk about the addition of Xavier Johnson. Uh, Dustin had a, like I said earlier, a really good interview uh, with him that he posted on the Daily Hoosier last night that uh, that is out there. So everybody, uh, make sure you go check out his uh, his Twitter for that. But, you know, Dustin, before we get into, uh, you know, some of the, the impacts and the, the worries about Johnson, um, anything really stand out to you from your conversation, either that you uh, Hoosier fans will be excited by, surprised to know, something that might endear him to IU fans. Just what was your uh, you know kind of general general impression of uh, your, your conversation with him?
2: Yeah, there was a couple I if, I'll get the endearing one out of the way. He's got a Victor connection. Uh for for those of you who still uh I know the Pacers fans not might not have as warm of feelings for Victor <laughs> still, but those of you who still warmly remember the Indiana Victor. Uh Vic is still obviously is still apparently recruiting for IU at least when it comes to DC guys and particularly team takeover guys, guys that have uh, um you know roots in that uh, EYBL program that that produces so many of those you know stars out there in DC. I guess uh, Xavier was manage, managed to get a number for Vic, and they've I guess called and texted him when he said he was picking Indiana. You know Vic called him to tell him how proud he was of him. So so there's one thing uh, that, that he's kind of got a, you know you know a connection, and I think it's also important to note for. Um, Indiana in general, I mean, so much talent is still coming out of that D.C. area, and obviously he went to Pit first, but all the same, um, the the fact that Indiana continues to sort of have a foothold uh, because of Depot and his success is something that matters going forward, will certainly matter to Mike Woodson, uh, matters to Kenya Hunter, matters to the program at large, being able to go there and get guys they can't necessarily um it when they have to fill in holes basically you know when they don't have everything coming out of the state that is another place they can go uh thanks in large part again to victor um but i think um as far as i I think the the big thing that everybody sort of took from it is um mike woodson telling him that he he lets his point guards rock and and that's I i think one thing that that Christian Lander's dad said and Xavier said and it's basically that—that that is what sort of endeared him the options like you're going to be able to play up tempo you're going to play in the open floor you're going to get a chance to make plays you're going to get a chance to attack off the dribble as a point guard Um, and that is certainly what he's able to do if you you watch any film of of Xavier at all uh, he is just he is explosive he is fast his first step is extremely quick uh, and off the balance he can get to the rim in a hurry Uh, it's fast he is like a blink of an eye he's got plenty of issues with his game certainly the jump shot's a problem at this point it's got to get a lot better. Turnover margin is a little bit too much. I mean, he, he needs probably to slow down a touch but when he's going downhill uh, he's terrific and basically uh, it, it was a lot of that just saying that, that I think this fits basically that what, what Mike Woodson convinced him of really fit. I think another thing that was important uh that that he noted and I also sort of got from uh his, his you know team takeover coach Doug Martin is he said that that he really felt like Xavier as a sophomore was looking at draft boards too much he was all ACC all freshman team um uh, in 2018 19 and what that meant was he was on a list with Zion Williamson RJ Barrett Trey Jones Kobe White and you know and 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 beat out Cam Reddish you know Cam Reddish is not on that list he was um so You know, most of those guys go lottery picks that year. Obviously, Trey Jones, I think was a I can't remember if he was first round or early second round, but obviously got picked uh, the following year after another year at Duke. Um, But he was, you know, with guys of that caliber. So he spent a lot of the sophomore year thinking, oh, man, I I should be a pro. You know, what what do I have to do to be an NBA player and uh, got humbled? You know, Didn't have a terrible year as a sophomore. Averaged about 11 a game, but that was down from 15 and a half. Uh, and since then has sort of changed his mindset and, and, and had more of a humbled understanding of, okay, I'm not going straight there necessarily. And uh, one of the things that, that he led to Mike Woods and told him is he, he didn't tell me I was ready for the NBA um so he he felt like he didn't necessarily get better at pit that's why he decided to leave he made a point of saying you know i appreciate pit you know taking me on coaching me taking care of me for a couple of years but i just didn't feel like i was getting better that's why i felt like i needed to move needed to make a move and you know obviously woodson told him hey you, you, you do still need to get a lot better you're not there um and i think he he believes in himself as a potential nba guy certainly as as a high level professional um but is obviously aware that okay, he, he's not in the same place as the rest of those guys that were all freshmen with him, uh, were. Those guys are far beyond him. Those guys are starting to become, you know, household names in the NBA were just obviously major pieces of their NBA teams. He he might never make it there. And he's he's starting to get used to that idea. And just trying to be the best him he can be and not necessarily thinking about that part of it. Uh, So I thought that was interesting. I mean, that was something again that that Doug Martin, his, his travel coach, UIBL coach really flagged for me, made a point of saying without me asking um, that he said that was part of the reason why he had a sophomore year uh, slump. So there's that. Um, but he also does seem to be focused on his weaknesses, ha- has an understanding that the jump shot's not good enough, um, that you know, he's, he's been around 33% for most of his career. I think he was 35.2 from three as a freshman, knows that's got to get better uh, and is willing to change you know, from a form standpoint, if he's told to, I guess he's got a, a bit of a hitch in the jumper. And uh, again, just knows he's got to cut down on the turnovers. Knows that Those are issues. Didn't really ask him about the technicals. I kind of forgotten about the technicals. Um, but uh, that's obviously another issue, too, of just being generally less of a hothead. And that's pretty important. But, um, you know, I, again, I think the, the, the big takeaway for Indiana when you're watching what this guy can do is just, he brings again an ability to get downhill, ability to ability to make plays off the dribble uh, that really hasn't been there. Going back to Langford, and he might be more dynamic in a way where Langford was just really good with the right hand. Uh, Xavier can just break you down. Um, you know, is, is Langford probably ultimately better around the rim? Ultimately better at scoring in the paint. Yeah, but you know Xavier can he can get to the rim and he can finish, and that's 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 something that really shows on tape. And I think that's something that they haven't had um, at the level he can do it in a couple of years.
0: Coach, you you talked about you know the pace uh, being a big one for you. You know the as everybody has talked about Johnson, you know the big things they've talked about where he's aggressive, he's a creator in the half court in transition, a good defensive player uh, from a, a steal rate and, and steal number perspective. Uh, seems emotional. Uh, I think in a in a both good and potentially bad way when you talk about the technicals. You know, what what stands out to you maybe above and beyond the the pace piece? Either based on, uh, not sure how many pit games you watched from a bracketology perspective this year. There was a brief period where I think they were in the conversation, but um, not sure how much you've seen of him uh play on the court. But just in terms of the the scouting reports and things like that, what uh, what stands out to you maybe beyond the, the pace piece that you already talked about.
1: Well, I'm going to say the thing that I'm looking for is is just his confidence and his his mental attitude about playing. It just seems like he's got a toughness about him that Indiana needs at the point guard position. Um, Rob was up and down, and 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 seemed like you know he was in a funk and then out of a funk. When when Rob played well, he was okay, but he had too many moments where he looked like he was hesitant. And the same thing, you know, you would understand a Christian Lander coming in, reclassifying, wanting to do the right things at times when he let it loose. he played all right. And sometimes he took shots that, that he should, I think the best thing, and I haven't watched a lot of, of film. I've just watched some of the highlights and read articles and everything, but um, we, we have it here on the list, the alpha dog. Um, there, there's an attitude to winning. And, and again, I think that the program was missing that last year, that everyone was thinking about other things and worried about this or that. And it just wasn't a cohesive group uh, that was concerned about competing. Uh, and it seems to me like this, this dude likes to compete. And, and if you can harness that and coach Woodson again with his NBA background and having to feed all the, you know, the miles and, and, and get all the basketballs out to NBA egos. Um, he, he, he's going to be good for someone like Xavier, um, not only in preparing him for the NBA, but preparing him to play in a tough league, uh, like the big 10 that, that is just fascinating to me. Cause when it's hard to coach that. At whatever level you play, it's hard to coach that, give me the ball, I want to get to the rack, and I'm either going to finish, or I'm going to find Parker Stewart out for three, and then I'm going to put the three ball up, I'm going to run down the court. And I'm not about, you know, my, my song, Popping Collars, I don't like the look at me popping collar stuff, but I do like the playing with an edge. And so I'm interested to see what that edge is for Xavier, because I think that just that then goes to Rob, then that goes to Hunter, then that goes to everyone else. This guy's been in a good league. He's played successfully, maybe not uh, 100% successful, and he has areas of improvement, but he can bring bring a little confidence that it seems like Woodson is trying to share in his message and get these guys to believe uh, believe in. So to me, it's that attitude alpha dog. Yes, I like the pace. I like that dribble drive. I like finishing at the rim, all of that X's and O's. But this team, to me... um, Needs better X's and O's and better strategy and better development, yes. But this ne- team needs to play a lot more free, carefree, confident. And boy, it just seems like he might be bringing that to the program. So that that's what's fascinating in, in my brief study of Xavier without really watching him an awful lot.
0: Yeah, I tried to find some old games on ESPN+, Plus, which is not easy to do, I found earlier today. And they may not even be on there, so I, I gave up after a while. But, um, yeah, as we think about him playing, I think there was a lot because it was a, a bit on the heels of Lander deciding to come back. I think there were some discussions about – just in general, I think there started to be discussions about you know how you allocate minutes and do some of those things. You know, I, I would – I would encourage people to go back and look at the various teams that have made Final Fours and national championship games and things like that over the, the last, I'm not even sure how many years at this point, and look at how many of them have two guys who are kind of primary ball handlers. I think anybody that you saw uh, this year from the the tournament that really made it deep, maybe with the exception of UCLA. Um, but you know the other three of the four teams in the Final Four I think had some of that flavor to them where they had different guys who could do that. So I don't think um, there, there's an issue with those guys being able to play together, coexist, um, things like that. Dustin, anything, uh, in, in terms of what you talked to him about that, that spoke to, I, I know the article talked about wanting to play wide open and things like that. Did any, uh, any of that come up just in terms of, you know, wanting multiple ball handlers out there and, and kind of what Woodson, uh, spoke to him about in, in that regard? Yeah, I didn't ask him about it, but I'm fascinated by it.
2: Uh, also from a um, really, the personality standpoint the coach mentioned. I think um, I am fascinated by how this is going to go for Rob Finnessy because I feel like I saw him defer to both Romeo Langford and Devontae Green. I don't know how, like, so this guy might be even more alpha than them. Um, and because, yeah, I mean, there's a chance he's more alpha than both of those guys. Devontae had an, his own kind of way of being. Um, and, and Romeo wasn't vocal. Uh, it was just, Romeo was looked up to basically, I mean, he didn't talk a whole lot, but like, you know, Rob had been beat by him in high school. And like, Rob sort of had a sense that, okay, like I've got to let Romeo be the guy here. And then Devontae came in and Devante wanted to be the guy taking the shots. If Xavier Johnson is the guy that wants the ball in his hands, you know, is, is, is how much is Rob, is he going to fade away? You know, that's, I think a big question. Like if, if they're going to coexist, is Rob going to assert himself? Uh, that I think is the big question because he either will or he might get run off the floor. Um, I'm very interested to see what that's going to be like. Does he up his game to match that in some way? Um, I feel like just th- this is going to be a, a different deal for him, um, and 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 it's hard to say you know from from this point what that's going to look like, you know, but like. It's going to be an East Coast dude who likes to get downhill and likes to play hard and likes to get after it and doesn't want to be messed with. Like, you know, it, again, if Rob's not going to run with him, I'm interested to see what that looks like. And I'm interested to see how Christian Lander is going to handle this uh, as well as still a, a younger guy. I and mean, just, you know, like just from a physical standpoint, Xavier's going to be able to body these guys in practice. I mean, he really is. You know, so it's so, just so like it's going to be interesting to see how, how do they handle when they've got to go up against him one on one. What does that look like? I, I'm I'm very interested to see that. It could absolutely make them better. It could totally raise their level. It it like they could get a sense of this is what it takes if you guys are going to be good. You have to play like this. You have to play with this level um, of aggression. And and again, that people have been begging Rob Fantasy to do uh, for three years. And so I mean, he's going to see it up close. That like. If you're not going to match this guy, you're not going to play. You know, I, I think that's going to be a big thing. Is, and does, what does he do with that? Does he use that to raise his level or, or does he sort of shell up from there? I'm very interested to see what direction that's, that's going to get. And I don't know at this point what that looks like. Because, again, like you said, we've been talking for three years about, okay, when is Rob really going to start to feel comfortable? Uh, when, is, when is he going to, you know, be that guy that, that's being aggressive? And Archie went so far as to tell him, man, just take shots. You know, just just trust yourself. And so Mike Woodson is not going to be the first person to say that to Rob Fantasy. Um, and he's not going to be, again, the, the, the first alpha dog that he's shared a backcourt with. Um, but I, I think this one has a skill set that's close enough to him that he can make him irrelevant. He can make Rob irrelevant. And here, that's, I think, here's how my I hope, how Justin, that. Mm.
1: I that. That's a great point, and, here, and here's my hope, that the competition does race. And mm. then the other thing is Rob's defense is there. It you is. You never right. question his defense, right? No. So he right. can be put on a stopper, and if and if they can coexist, now they're a little mm-hmm. small. They go six one, six three, or something like that. If mm-hmm. they play both of them together, and Xavier I know, can play big uh, though, Xavier can play big. Yeah. So he's two oh five. So he's got long arms. You know. But if Xavier's not. a primary ball handler, you tell mm-hmm. Rob, hey, all we want you to do is catch and shoot, feed to post. You know, make the next play, dribble drive if you can. It could free him up offensively than having to run the show, make sure the plays mm-hmm. are executed, knowing everything, and be the defensive stopper. You know, and yeah. I and I just – you know, Coach, uh, the NBA coaches, what, what I really like to watch in NBA coaches is they take pieces – And Mm -hmm. they put him in. It's just like uh, Duncan Robinson found a niche because they need a three-point shooter. And maybe he's not a good defensive player, but for a certain amount of time he's out there, they're going to run sets to get him threes. And then when it becomes a defensive liability, they'll make changes. So Coach Woodson, that's where I trust Coach Woodson quite a bit, Mm -hmm. is you got a great defensive player in the Big Ten, which is going to be needed uh, as you bring all these other guys in. So you can still use Rob and then lighten his load a little bit Mm, as far as time. the responsibility of running the offense and that might be what uh the personality of Rob needs to blossom. Uh, if not you're, absol- you're absolutely you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. If not then you're going to find that you're playing limited minutes and mm-hmm. that's where competition within a program is the is a benefit um for for everyone. Mm-hmm. But uh that's my hope. I'm not right. saying it's going to happen, mm-hmm. but I think that's the best case scenario is that it, it takes a little bit of pressure off him running the offense where he can he does best and Woods can put him in position to do what's best go out there and stop people when we need to do something different offensively maybe we'll go a different direction or maybe it makes you better offensively and the big piece is he's got to make shots though
2: that's the big piece yep. it, it, is the, yep. it, that that it comes along like he's had moments where if he's catching and shooting it and in rhythm he can hit him um that becomes a big piece if, if, if you know in that case he's got to shoot 36 minimum Yep. You know, 36 minimum, I think. Uh, if he's – obviously he was 26 this year. Even if he's in low 30s, he, you know, he might have an issue. But if you can get him up to 35, 36, that makes a huge difference right. from him. If you can get, if you can and get that, some catches, you've got to hit him.
1: Mm-hmm. that goes to the other returning players too and, and i know we're going to talk about the question about the returning guys they all got to elevate their game yeah just because they're back at this level doesn't guarantee that indiana is going to be a tournament team they've got mm-hmm. to elevate their game and and um i forget who uh, who it was on one of these multiple emergency podcasts said this that we can't expect every player coming back to reach their maximum potential gain in sure. one year some are really mm-hmm. gonna uh get better some are gonna plateau out some may uh regress a little bit and then see some playing time cut like that so we got to be careful to just not think that everyone's back is now going to go to their level would we like to see that obviously that would be great um but but the xavier rob lander combination of playing time and do they play together and how that fits is going to be really fascinating to see how how coach Mm -hmm. woodson and staff manage that and 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 what they decide to do
0: yeah, so let's maybe talk a little bit about um, about some of those other things. I think, you know, we, we talked a decent amount about Xavier Johnson, so we'll kind of take a step back with a bigger picture. So race coming back, uh, you, you know, Coach, as you try to look at this, and, and I thought Dustin made some really good points about why potentially uh, his, uh, I think you both talked about these, why their return, his return was a little bit surprising. But as you spin it forward, he's in the fold now. So what do you think the offense looks like with him in the, you know, a more wide open system? Where do you feel like race fits into that?
1: Uh, boy, if I had to answer, I'd be the third assistant. Um, and That's so what I was really trying to get you to drop
0: was any news on that. <laughs>
1: so, um, no, uh, race fits coach Woodson defensively. Like he can guard <laughs> to five, yeah. he can guard to four, he can guard to three. The question's going to be, does he fit coach Woodson's offensive system? Um his three-point shooting, his outside shooting form looks good uh, just by form, but form doesn't mean that you can hit him in a game. So the question to me is, can he play a little bit of a stretch four? If they're going to go true four out, one in, you're going to play one post. Um, the previous regime played both of those guys somewhat inside with one guy setting the screen and roll, another guy replacing, but, but Race never had the freedom to shoot. I mean, he didn't take many threes the last two years. Is that because he couldn't make them? and they told him not to, or it was it just a, a coaching decision? We really don't know. We're always going to say it was a coaching decision and blame Coach Miller, but maybe he couldn't be effective. He didn't shoot free throws very well, and that, that usually is a telltale sign. If, if you can shoot free throws at a decent percentage, you're probably going to be able to shoot threes at a de- decent percentage. Do I think he can play the, the four and play outside? Yes. Is that the perfect stretch for person no i don't think so i think he's better closer to the basket uh being tough getting offensive rebounds um you know he played that that just that physical presence both on offense and defense uh so you know you're going to need him for defense how you going to fit him in obviously he could be a screener on the outside but you also have to be a threat um you can't just be a screener that's that's been the problem the last three years is we had guys we liked that played hard on one end, but they weren't threats um You know, Justin Smith wasn't a threat from outside. Race wasn't a threat from outside. Um, To modernize what we all want modernized, you need four guys, maybe even five guys that can pop the three. I mean, centers all over, you know, basketball are shooting the three these days. So uh, hopefully that's where we're headed. Um, But race will fit in toughness-wise and defense-wise, and then he's going to have to develop, um, you know, his outside game or – um, you know, uh, there's some talk in the chat mob. I don't see Trace Jackson Davis playing outside. I think he can shoot the 15 footer or develop that in a pick and roll situation, playing out of the five, you know, catching in the short corner, hitting a 15 footer or 12 footer. Yeah. But I don't think he's ready to play the four. So that's where he's going to get most of his minutes, um, I think would be at the four. And, and that's again, you know, a good point, Dustin and why it was a surprise he came back. I, I wasn't sure where he fit, um, so we're just going to have to watch and, and trust, um, again, Woodson with his NBA experience and knowing where to fit these pieces to maximize the the team. But that's going to be an interesting decision. Yeah, Dustin, curious to
0: kind of get your – I've seen a few of the chat comments go by just in, in terms of the Big Ten is still a little bit different, a bit more – post oriented in in some cases although that's you're seeing that shift a bit with the way you know Ohio State has played and Michigan has played even though they've got you know a big gap but they're spreading everybody out around them you know how do you kind of view and I guess maybe the the essentially the race Thompson question kind of comes down to this but do, do you see the league moving maybe behind where where other leagues are <laughs> maybe a little bit later but moving in that general direction where they're not going to be thought of in the same you know kind of plotting, Pounded inside, you know, physical conference. Do you think that's a, a move that more teams are are making? Uh, or do you think, you know, we we see Woodson having to adapt a little bit to that more wide open style with having to adjust and play those guys? There's there's arguments to be made either way. I know Jay's made some arguments of, hey, these things can work. If you can play the other team's big guy off the floor, everything looks everything looks great. Just just kind of how do you see the Big Ten trending and, and maybe what that might say about IU and how they want to use race as as he's back in the fold.
2: Yeah, no, I mean I think you, you've certainly seen it, seen it tried and attempted. I think the coach's point: you've got to be a threat, and so it doesn't matter if you're if you're operating on the perimeter. If they're not guarding you on the perimeter, it doesn't matter. I mean that that's I mean, Justin Smith operate on the perimeter as a three. They didn't guard him there, so it, so you are still dealing with a packed paint. You were still dealing with three defenders in there that that weren't tacking to their guys with it when they went outside so so that's really the issue is is you you've got to have the personnel even if you're trying to do it um, it's only so effective if your four guys not hitting the threes you know and, and I, I think Michigan was pretty effective with the lineups that they were able to put out there uh for for a lot of this year where, but when they had I think livers and Wagner and Smith and um Brooks you know when you have those four guys out there on the perimeter those guys can all hit those guys can all make that shot and you've got to defend them out there you know, it, you, you have to defend them all the way. Um, I'm trying to think, I mean, Ohio state, when you put Liddell on the floor, you know, then you have absolutely have to go guard Liddell when, when he's out there. So that'll open things up. But it's like if, if you have a guy that's trying to act like a stretch four and isn't really a stretch four then, you know, it, it, then it, it stays that way. And, it's just, and to be able to continue to recruit those guys, um, you know, makes a difference. I mean, it, like, so, again, if you're trying to make a guy a stretch, sometimes you just end up throwing him in there. And, and I think that's ultimately what happened with Archie Miller. I don't think he was necessarily wholeheartedly opposed to the idea of four out, one in. I, I don't think that was sort of a, a philosophical thing. It was he looked at his lineups and the guys that he could play the four weren't you know we're going to be better around the basket they just were you know at, at no point in time could you really trust either Justin Smith or Ray Thompson to steadily make you know make those those outside shots and you know he could have forced going four out one in this year if you wanted to put Jerome Hunter out there but there was a big drop off defensively I mean he just Race Thompson was a better all-around player so I, I don't think he really wanted to do two posts this year I think he certainly presumed that he could run a bunch of you know a a lot of screen and roll stuff have a really open floor um but as far as just the total players that he had who were really his best guys ultimately you know her his best two forwards were guys that played in the post and and I think that's what ends up happening so often in the Big Ten just kind of the kind of bodies that you get um it's trending in that direction because I think the big guys are getting more and more skill, but I do think it happens a little bit slower in the big 10 uh, again, just because there, there are just so many guys, so many available players that end up being those sort of stocky, muscular uh, big power forwards that, you know, you might try to drag them out there, but nobody's really believing you.
0: Yeah. So, last question guys before we we take another quick break here so we know the what everybody's decided armand is has made his decision so you kind of know uh where you stand at this point with the roster in a way that you weren't even close to knowing a, a week ago so you've got that that leaves two open scholarships uh regardless of whether joey brunk decides to to come back or not which i think there's a question about that in the last segment So, uh, Coach, I'll throw this to you first. And we we touched on this a little bit before we all all hopped on here. Uh, How do you use those two scholarships if you're Mike Woodson?
1: You know, it's going to come down to a a philosophy issue on do you want to fill 13 or do you want to have some flexibility? I think the college game is moving to a little bit more flexibility. You see some of the. The bigger schools uh you know they're they're eleven twelve thirteenth guys aren't really going to be playing, and they're going to try to keep ten people happy. The transfer portal is a whole new game uh for these college coaches because you know it's open three hundred and sixty five days a year and and if you if you're a top level kid, you want to play and not too many kids come in and want to sit for two or three years as the twelve and thirteenth guys so what's the best use of those right obviously I think we agree. We need more shooting. Uh, Indiana's roster needs more shooting. So, with two scholarships, I would like to, I would advocate for at least one more shooter. Where Coach Woodson feels, is it is it more of the three four spot, a bigger six seven six eight guy, or is it another two guard? I think you can never have enough wings that can bounce the ball and shoot the ball. Um, it's a guards game, and I, no, no disrespect to TJD and and Race Thompson, but the college game is a is a guards game. As we saw in the national championship, uh, good guards help make big post players better uh, because of their ability to do things with the basketball. So I would advise bringing in at least one more shooter, and then I might, as a college coach, just keep one open uh, at, at times for a late summer recruit that pops or some coaching change or something happens and you really want that guy or there's a transfer. Like it helped mid year to get a uh, Stuart in here, have old scholarships and had a relationship with Kenya Hunter, uh, the unfortunate situation with uh, uh, Stuart's uh, father, and it opened up, and you're able to, to bring a guy in because you had an open scholarship, right? I think that. Uh, um, so. That's just going to be interesting. It's on philosophy. You want to bring in two shooters, and you got thirteen guys to pick from, and you have heavy competition. That's great, but you can't play thirteen. Uh, you got to have an eight nine man rotation, maybe a ten man rotation at the most. So that means there's always going to be some guys um, not playing. The other thought, guys, is are you going to be a redshirt program? I like the way Villanova uh, has done the redshirt, bringing guys in and redshirting. I think that has some potential, too. If you can really convince guys that, hey, you're going to be 12, 13, uh, but we're going to redshirt you and you're going to have a big impact down the road, um, that's another way to use those scholarships. But I would say definitely one more shooter. Keep one open. Um, or maybe you get a grad transfer that's going to come in for one year, and you you have that available uh, again. But that that's my initial thought, and it's just um, something that these coaches really have to think about now with a lot different landscape.
0: Dustin, your thoughts on what uh, what the staff's going to do with these last couple spots?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they've got to get a shooter. I mean, I, I think losing Armand Franklin requires it. Um, I, I, because if they're going to if they're going to play this way. Um, I just, I just don't see an option when they don't. I mean, even if you have two guys that are going to ball, you know, um, put out there, two guys that are pointish guards, you know, okay, uh, it, it, you don't necessarily have shooters out of any of that group. Um, so, you know, you can give those guys some space, basically, if you're defending them, whether it's Johnson, whether it's Lander, whether it's Finney, you're going to get, you're you're going to sag back off of those guys. You're going under screens right now, you know, basically with, with any of them more likely than not. Um, so you got to be able to put multiple guys on the floor that, that are definitely going to be able to shoot the basketball. If you've got Stewart and Hunter that's fine but I think you need one more just just to be sure. And if you're going to take Hunter off the floor for Thompson for defensive purposes, you know then the only guy that you can trust right there is Parker Stewart. You got to have another option. So I just I, I don't think they can go into next season with without a guy that can hit at or close to 40.
0: Yeah, I think Certainly a shooter is there, and I think generally wing players on the team seem to be... I guess not totally in short supply. If you figure you've got Galloway in that role, not really, you know, he needs to, to shoot it better to, to really get out there. But, yeah, I think if you can get a either a, a little bit taller guard or a three uh, who can shoot it and, and be able to guard different positions, it feels like that's the way to go. So uh, too many people and, in the portal for me to keep track of uh, who, who specifically sure. those guys might be, but I think that's yeah. the the prototype. Coach, you got something
1: else? Real quick, we're seeing it in the chat, but we're not forgetting Anthony Leal. But Anthony right. Leo's young and in the development stage, too, uh, and and we're talking about someone who consistently has played three, four years. You have those guys available probably in the portal that have done mm-hmm. it, right. um, and, and that gives him a chance to continue to grow and find his 10-minute stretch, his 12-minute stretch or something, without having to make him be that major shooter uh, at he will have that opportunity at some point in his career. So we're not dismissing him as a potential shooter. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think you, the you can never ever have enough shooting to stretch the floor and have enough threats out there besides your, you, you gotta, you gotta get people off TJD uh, in the post to maximize TJD and to play a good offense. So we're not forgetting about right. uh, Leo by, by mm-hmm. any stretch. I felt bad. I forgot mentioning Leo in, on a Twitter comment I made before. And,
2: I mean, he could end up being that guy. He could end up getting to camp and see that he's, you know, way ahead and he's ready to start and play 25 minutes. You know, obviously you saw the leap that Armand Franklin made. If if Leo makes a similar, you know, leap as an all around player, you know, that's something it, it could totally happen. You don't want to rule it out, but I think you absolutely need somebody that's proven at this point.
0: Yep. All right. Well, with that, we're going to take another break here. And when we come back, Uh, in our third segment we're going to answer your questions and we have a ton of them so we'll fit in as many as we can Uh, so stick with us here on the assembly call
3: Sticky notes, email alerts a string around your finger they're just not big enough So here's a big reminder from the California lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Whew, play now. Please play responsibly, must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.
0: All right. Well, we have just a boatload of questions here, so I probably will not take too much time in between so we can get to a bunch of them, but I probably got to wrap up. And...
1: I got a quick one uh, sure. for, for Dustin real quick, just to get mm. your thoughts on it. How, how much of, of Indiana's issues last year, and without necessarily getting into Archie Miller or anything, but how much of right. it was skill level for the guards versus uh, confidence uh, in you know, in shooting, is this coaching change going to come in and we're automatically going to see a bump just because it's a different offense and and they're maybe playing a little more free under coach Woodson or how much of it is they really got to get in and, 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 and shoot the ball a lot better from a skill standpoint. Uh, I know I have my feelings on that. I just wonder. What do you think mine is? That's a tough read because it's just without being in their heads, I don't
2: know, but like, you know, I I think if, if if you were to have Archie Miller in here and, and he were to sort of make the arguments, okay like I, I remember I saw like some graph that like they're, sh- they, they were bad shooters, good shots. And because everybody was sagging down so hard, they usually had clean looks and it was like, they just weren't going down. So, okay. How much confidence that is system, how much of that is Archie being Archie and not being necessarily the type of guy who makes you feel a whole lot more confident in yourself. Um, Could have been any of the above, um, you know, it, it's, it, and I mean, Finney has never been a reliably good three-point shooter, even though he's got good form. There's nothing wrong with what Rob doing with the shot. Um, you know, Durham was fine. Franklin was fine. But part, part of it is they didn't have a lot of options after those guys, you know, and you're putting, you know, when you're putting on on the floor, but you don't trust them on defense. Um, you know, Lander, I think it's hard to say. I mean, like Lander's dad said it was absolutely confidence, but it's like, is that because system, he didn't let him play free enough. He, he didn't trust him to make mistakes. He felt like he was going to get pulled all the time. You know, I, I I could see it being either, but like the bottom line is they had open looks. So it's like they, they they didn't come the prettiest way. They just came from the fact that there was a big blob of humanity in the middle. And anytime the ball came out, someone was going to get an open shot. Um, and so I don't know what was lack of trust or whatever, but they just, they there were a lot of open shots that did not get hit. Um, so... How much for that is them is mental? How much of it is physical? It's tough to say, but the bottom line is you had a lot of situations where guys who should make that shot missed that shot.
0: Yeah, that'll, and I, and that's, and I, that's one of the things I'm I'm really curious to see. I, and I know, yeah, you know, we didn't really get. We alluded to the question a little bit earlier of of you know how do you get too excited about it? You know, a, a lot of these guys coming back on a team that didn't perform very well, but. Yeah, it really and I think Jared made the analogy today of just using Justin Smith as kind of the microcosm for this. Not that he shot it better from that standpoint, but just how much how much more loose he was able to play in a different system mm. and just how their reaction to the different coaching style and whatever, um, you know, kind of unlock some things in him that, that we saw in in flashes, but Um was able to be really, really successful. So it's uh remains to be seen. But yeah, I mean Woodson would have the right to take the victory lap of all victory laps if if all of a sudden these dudes can show up and can really shoot. Uh for sure. So I
1: I think there is something to the confidence. A coach can take away confidence. Sure. I think it's really hard for a coach to give confidence, Mm -hmm. but I think they can take it away. Like yeah if, if you say you're gonna you miss a shot and you get yelled at for missing a shot, that's in your head and you're wondering whether you should take it or not, then it's already too late. You're going to miss that shot. That's an hmm. example of a coach taking away confidence. But if you are doubting yourself or, you, you know, you, you're not sure, a coach can't say, hey, good, you're a good guy. You're a good guy 8,000 hmm. times, and that's going to make you shoot. Right. Um, it comes from demonstrated ability. So uh, I think there's – I agree with you. There's a little bit we, – we've had guys at our level where we said, you got to shoot the ball. You You can hmm. shoot the ball. And it took, you know – three quarters of the season before they felt comfortable shooting sure. the ball with regularity in, in a high school game. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not so easy. It's just, hey, we love you. You're a good guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Go play freely. And all of a sudden, they're 40% three-point shooters. they got to have the skill. they got to have the self-confidence. they got to have that capability uh, as well. And that's the development piece for me that mm. that Fife and Woodson and Hunter and the third assistant they really got to get these guys into their forms got to be pure their shots got to be really good so that the, mm. when the confidence is there that the ball goes in um right. I, I don't think it's just a magic wand has been um waved over bloomington now cuz mm. coach woodson's here and these guys are automatically now going to hit all of all of those open shots that they missed last year right. mm-hmm. it wasn't contested shots that they missed it was open, open shots ones. Yeah. you know so
2: Archie used the term T ball for one time, and that was, he wasn't wrong. Uh, no, I think he, you know, I mean, I, I think you, like if you're going to give confidence, it takes a long time. And I, I, I always wonder about like whether or not a big part of the reason why this team couldn't shoot is Archie was so good at it and it was so easy for him. Like he just, I mean, it wasn't so much easy for him. Like he had to work, but he just like, he got to this point, he was like, well, just shoot. That's what I did. Get in the gym. What do I need to tell you anything? You know, and I always wondered about that sense of like, I mean, I don't think he was on guys or making sure that it was just like, I presume you're going to shoot because you're a college player and you're at Indiana and you probably had more raw, natural talent than I did. And I was good at it. So you must be able to be good at it. You know, like, I always wondered if there was some sort of level of dismissive, like belief that he had to be involved in that in any way you know yep. just because he was I, so I, good at it and, and,
1: and we got you know. a lot of questions and we could talk forever about it. Sure. I think I think the program was overcoached and I know people will be Probably. critical of me. Critical mm. of me saying that, but again, the perfect shot. You don't need a perfect shot, you need good shots. You need to take more good right. shots than the opponent takes and you need to hit more good shots. But if you yeah. always try to be perfect and eliminate turnovers and get the ball exactly where it needs to go, you're missing many opportunities in the span of a 40-minute mm. basketball game. Right. Um, you know that that's and sometimes it just you can overcoach. I've done it at my level. Um, and, and, you know, I, I haven't been a head coach now for 10 years, but I'm back in the game as assistant. And I tell people, if I get back into the game, I'm going to give freedom to our guys, because I think that we'll, we'll criticize them in the film room, but I don't want them thinking, you know, offensively. I want them, you know, with with parameters, Dustin. I'm not. I don't want UNLV sure. of, of you know 1990 <laughs> just running and chucking. But mm-hmm. um, and they don't they have that. Have the ability well, to, to take mm-hmm. shots, and, and I think that's yes. ultimately what will help this team somewhat. But I'm not going to also say the players don't got Don't have to get in that gym and do the right kind of drills, the right kind of development under game pressure, and, and demonstrate that they can hit at a high level. So that confidence is there when it's given to them. But that's going to be the shooting is just going to be to me. It's the simplest. Uh, correction to this program is the ability to be threats and mm. space the floor. And if Indiana can do that, they'll win a lot of games. Yep.
0: All right. Well, well I'm just gonna kind of roll through as many of these questions as we can. I figure we go till about ten thirty, and then uh, call it a call it a night. Um, so we can probably hit most of these in twenty minutes. I would assume. We'll find out. All right. Here goes.
1: Um.
2: This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot, or an episode of The Assembly Call.
0: And welcome back to The Assembly Call. This is Andy Bottoms here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Dustin Dopirak from The Daily Hoosier. Uh, Remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU news roundup, even during the offseason, and after every game, we send out a detailed post game analysis. So just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Again, that's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Now time for our mailbag. All questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community. And uh, gentlemen, we have quite a few questions here, so I'll uh, just kind of plow through these uh, and we'll hit as many as we can. Uh, from Elbows In, which returning player are you most excited to see under Woodson? Not necessarily the player who would improve the most, but the player you're most excited to see in Woodson's system, uh, Coach. I'll throw this one to you first.
1: I, I'm going to say Stewart. Um, maybe I'm just missing shooting, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And you know, Mike Woodson, I remember watching him play, and he could shoot. Uh, and I think again, we just got done talking about the importance of shooting in between segments. There, um, I'm most interested to see if he can come in after having some time off and having the tough situation that he's gone through. Uh, and just find some peace on the basketball floor as a young man personally. Just as a young man, I hope he comes out and is successful and just really uh, can find some enjoyment in playing basketball. Uh, but I think he's the type of guy that can really, you know, possibly, you know, score the basketball at the clip that uh, that we need.
0: Dustin, uh, who, who do you think uh, you're looking to 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 see what they look like in the Woodson system?
2: I'm going to go Jerome Hunter. I mean, I think uh, I, I, obviously there's that just interest in the unknown. So I want to see Stewart and Johnson because they're new, um, and just to see what they look like in Indiana uniforms, uh, in, just in general, just to see what they're capable of. But not you know beyond those two guys because they're new. Um, I, I'm going to say Hunter just because it's four it, it's four out one in, and that's sort of playing to what he's supposed to be. And uh, and obviously we've sort of waited to see this. All Big Ten caliber player that certainly seemed to be there before uh, the leg condition. We still don't know exactly what it is. um, You know, in in his freshman year, uh, in his true freshman year, obviously cost him that whole season. Um, Does this sort of wide open offense lead to a situation where he ends up being a guy that really, really matters? That that is what I'm interested in. You know, we mentioned Fantasy Lander. I'm I'm very interested to see how they react. Um, I'm still interested to see what trace looks like if, you know, how much, what does it look like when they're demanding him to take shots, demanding him to go to his right hand. I mean, I think Mike Woodson put a lot on developing him to be an NBA player, that that is something that he's going to be devoted to. And I'm very interested to see how that looks, but honestly, there's not one player that I'm not interested in, but I'm going to put Hunter up there just because I think this is something that plays into, um, his style of play. And I think they almost need Hunter to work to make it work.
0: Yeah. I was going to, you touched on some of the things with trace that I was, uh, that I was thinking when I saw this question, you know, to me, it's kind of the first case study, if you will, in in terms of that press conference you talked about, he basically came out and was like, this is what he said I need to work on. This is what we're going to do. All right, let's see the rubber meet the road in that scenario. And and what does that actually look like? Does it really, does it all work? Um, does it work for a little bit and then revert back to other things that that you know more comfortable with from the past so that's the right. like I said kind of the case from a case study perspective the one that I'm I'm thinking about um so Jeff asked uh, and Jay joked about this on the the show earlier today uh, the uh, the the flood of what do you think the starting lineups going to be questions but uh, but we might as well indulge ourselves given the the level of clarity that we have on the roster at least at this point uh, Dustin what would be your your uh, your pick for a starting five if you had to pick right now.
2: All right. And I'm presuming I, I'm not going to involve random mystery person who I presume they're going to recruit. Okay. You know, I, 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 I presume there will be a guy um, and I presume he will be in the starting lineup. That's my guess is that ma- random mystery person that we don't know today will be in the starting lineup. But if I've got a pick out of the group that is there right now, if you had to put out a lineup, if they were playing tomorrow with the guys they got, I'm going to say... Xavier Johnson running the point, and I have. I think they have to play Phenasy at the two right now. Um, Stewart at the three, you know, that Hunter Thompson situation of the four, and, and Trace at the five. Uh, that That's what I would say right now. And, I mean, I, I guess part of it is finding a situation where maybe you don't have to start fantasy at the two, and you go get a two that can pass him up, or a three that can bump Stewart to the two um that that i think is the options i got to look at but that that's right now what i would say but i do think that whoever they get out of the portal uh and i presume that they will get someone out of the portal they have to get someone out of the portal i think that person will be able to make the starting five
0: coach what about you
1: i dropped the mic that was that was that was good stuff right there um you know i was supposed to be teaching today i joked on the emergency podcast during my lunch period that uh, i gave him an assignment to do once i saw (laughs) you know, race coming back and I put a lot of permutation. I think there are possibly seven starters uh, without that mm-hmm. mystery person. Uh, you know, Lander can be a part of it, although I think his best spot is really coming off the bench um, mm-hmm. and finding more minutes, uh, the minutes we kind of wanted him to get last year. Those are the minutes he's probably going to get this year. And I think uh, I, I have Hunter as another guy who can start that Hunter Thompson thing. So I, I agree with Dustin. I think, the way it is right now, uh, Johnson-Fennessey together, Stewart-Thompson a- a- and Trace-Jackson-Davis, and there, there's a lot of questions there for me because, you know, can Rob be offensive and can he play free? Uh, you know, do we need his defense and, and don't worry about his offense? And then again, is race a fit for an outside? Can he be a threat? You cannot operate in a four-out-one-in and have your guy sitting at the dotted line in the lane and clogging it up for TJD. We've had seen that for three years. Um that just doesn't work. And and love race and he can guard, but you got two guys in that starting lineup who can guard but have some questions in the fit of an a wide open offense. And if we want to jazz up the offense, those two spots are where that portal mystery guy is going to come from.
0: Yeah, I I would uh I would end up kind of the same place as both of you guys. So for the sake of time, we'll uh we'll move forward. Um let's see. Josh and Max, uh, this one in here. So it says in Coach Woody's offense, IU seems to have guys who can penetrate and kick between uh, Johnson, Lander, Rob. But I, but obviously, I needs to knock down threes. We we had you guys had a, a discussion about this between segments uh, in terms of what may lead to uh, improvement from beyond the arc. But uh, but Coach, is there a player or players that you see improving the most uh, from a three point shooting perspective?
1: You know, I'm going to pick the guys who had really bad years because there's more room to improve. I mean, well, well <laughs> pick, played. pick well them played. out of a hat, right? Um, you know, there's guys I want to see improve, like Rob. Um, that would really help the team. Uh, you know, obviously a Galloway's got to shoot better to get more run time uh, mm-hmm. in order to do multiple things as a college basketball player. Um, you know, so I, of the guys coming back um, – I see Rob improving the most because I think he's going to have more opportunities until that mystery person's announced or whatever else. Uh, I think he's in our mis- in our starting lineup today. I uh, I, I think he's going to go up from a confidence standpoint. I think he needs a guy uh, uh, like Woodson to to give him a, a little boost every once in a while. And I think freeing him up from the ball handling duties and running the offense can see that go up. But I'm also with Dustin going up to 30, 31 might not be good enough. You got to you really got to get some guys in here at 35, 36 to really maximize the offense. And and I'm not sure that can get done in year one, depending on that mystery portal. But I, I'm gonna say Rob. Um we haven't seen Stewart and what his level of approval we're assuming he's coming in at the at a pretty good level and a pretty good clip. And and it might be Xavier. So I'm gonna go Rob.
0: Dustin, what about you?
1: God, it's
2: for so many of them they can't get worse. <laughs> like they have to get better. I mean yeah like I'm looking at Tennessee's some of the percentages, too. I was
0: like, yeah, it's pretty uh, – it, coach's argument about, yeah, there's, there's plenty of options mm-hmm. to pick from for sure.
2: Phenasy's a 10-point jump if he gets to 36. 36 isn't right. a great clip. That's a 10-point that, – that'd be a 10-point jump to get from where he, where he was at. I mean, Lander, if he's good at all, <laughs> like what would what what Lander finish at? 27?
0: 27. 25? Yeah, yeah
2: 27. Um, so he, he's got to come a long way. I mean and, – and Galloway. I mean, I, I, I'm going to go with Galloway makes the biggest leap because I just don't think he's that bad as a shooter. I really don't. I, I mean, I, I think confidence was a big thing with him too. God, let me look at this number and remind myself specifically he's what it is. Eight, 18%. 18.2, 18%. He's not that bad. He isn't. He's a good athlete. <laughs> I mean, he's, there's no way. I mean, I, I, I saw him shoot a little bit uh, in AAU ball. I'd say AAU ball like there's any AAU involvement in this, but gauntlet ball with Indiana Elite. He's not a bad outside shooter. He's not terrible. You know, I mean, I, I think he's a guy that can get up to 32, you know, some at least low 30s. I think he can get there. Um, there's just no reason he's going to be a sub 20 percent three point shooter throughout his career. He's a tough kid. He defends. He goes hard to the rim. He does so many things. Well, uh, this the passing stuff is just fantastic. You know, just the little stuff he would do with, you know, how many assists he got driving off the elbow. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I'd see Indiana had a player who did it like that um so he's, he's got all those pieces all he's got to get right that's not right at all right now is the shot so I, I think it's got to get to a point that it's least manageable uh and he gets on the floor he's a hardworking kid he's a coach's kid he's going to be out there you know he's going to be devoted all year um so i'd be surprised if he doesn't make a significant leap do i think he's going to shoot 40 no i don't do i think he even gets to 35 probably not but i think he'll at least get to a point that he can crack thirty.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll go with uh, I'll go with Leal. I, I was surprised to see he only shot thirty mm. uh, percent a year ago, but I was also surprised slash appalled at some of the numbers as I pulled up the Kenpom page to see mm. what they actually were. But you know, I think it, it, there's going to be a question of number of attempts to some of what we talked about before, sure. and dependent upon you know mystery player and. Yeah, you know, who might come in. But I do think in a, in a system, if you really want to get shooters out there, he's a guy that was proven to do that. And I think there were so many times last year where he just looked so reticent to actually pull the trigger on shots. And a couple of games when he didn't, I think it was the Wisconsin game, maybe one of the Iowa games, that you know he really didn't seem to think about it as much. Um, so kind of going back to the discussion that, that that you guys had in the break in terms of whether that was just a – Confidence, or not feeling like the coach had given him confidence to take it, I think he benefits a bit from uh, that system to the extent that he gets on the court. So I'll throw him out there in that uh, discussion as well. Uh, let's see. Uh, we talked about a little bit more about transfer portal. Um, Kevin and David. In watching the championship game on Monday, was not only interested in Baylor's offense, but extremely impressed by their tenacity on hitting the boards on the offensive end. So many times this year, we took a shot, no IU guy would be seen on TV you meant everyone was jogging back on the defensive end without trying to fight for a rebound. Need shooters, but also need players that are going to fight for every ball. With the addition of Dane, do you see a change in direction of our scrappiness and or more aggressive defense and rebounding? You know, I think this one, I'll kind of do this first, and then I'll throw it to you guys. You know, Sometimes this is a choice based on what you want to emphasize and what you want to take away defensively. And so we've seen mm-hmm. IU, even over the course of the Miller tenure, really – Do things differently from an offensive rebounding standpoint. I think it was two years ago they really uh, ramped up their offensive rebounding production. Yeah. So if you look, you know, his first year they were at, uh, they ranked 74th in Ken Palm in offensive rebounding percentage. Second year they dropped to 187th. Third year they ratcheted that back up to 44th. And then last year it was you know as low as it's been since he's been there at 241st. So some of that is people going and, and really trying to get back. That's why you see Wisconsin typically has a pretty low uh, rebounding rate. A lot of times it's personnel driven. I think you know a couple of years ago it was they're not going to make shots. One of the advantages they did have with playing big guys was to really kind of hammer the glass. And I think you even saw that a little bit that first year when you had you know a guy like Freddie McSwain who was a good rebounder and uh, some of those kinds of things. So I think a little bit it's much of a stylistic choice uh, and, and a strategic choice as much as it is just you know what you really want to do what you want to emphasize um you know dustin i'll throw that to you first any any other thoughts on you know kind of why iu did what they did on the offensive glass in these last few years and if you see that change in uh this time around yeah, no, you absolutely covered it. I, I don't think it's a lot
2: about scrappiness. It's, I mean, I remember Miller was asked specifically, what would you rather have, you know, uh, offensive rebounding or transition defense? And he said a transition de- transition defense every single time. Every single time. It, you know, th- that was always going to be his priority. As a pack line guy, that makes sense. And basically that, that entire philosophy, that entire way of thinking is you're not giving up easy ones. So I'd much rather give you, you know, l- let you have my miss and get back. Uh, and make sure that you don't get an easy one on the break for me, then, you know, that then fight for the 30% of the time I might get an offensive rebound to your point, obviously they had such an advantage from a size standpoint because they didn't have shooters, but they had three, you know, forwards who could really, really rebound it. They were putting out there most of the time, whether it was Brunk Jackson, Davis and Smith or Thompson or, or whoever they were putting out there, those big body dudes. you know, not this season, but the season before, um, it, it it became a priority because it had to like, that was their advantage was size. You know, that that's what they were winning. Cause they didn't have shooters. You know, they didn't have a ton of offensive skill. They were going to have to win on pure power in the paint. Um, so I, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if Woodson will do that more, but that that's most of it. I, I don't know that they were less scrappy this year, but I, I think it, it was, it was definitely a philosophical case. Um, and, and again, it, it depends on just who they're putting on the floor. If it's Jackson Davis and hunters, your four guy, you know, I mean, he can rebound, but how often is he going to crash? Again, if you're playing four out, one in, that is one thing that you will also, um, you know, th- that you do kind of sacrifice a little bit is, is offensive rebounding when guys are coming from that perspective. That doesn't mean you can't have guys crash in certain situations that they're not going to be able to fly in and get in there. Um, but it's, it's obviously sort of a strategic decision based on where everybody is, where everybody's moving. You know, you're rarely sending, you know, you're never sending more than three. You know, very rarely sending sending more than three guys, uh, you know, to crash the glass. You know, you're often sending two, and sometimes with a bad enough shot, you're just all spring back. And it, it also depends on the team you're playing, what their, you know, ideas are, how much they want to get on the break, and how important it is that you stop that. So, you know, a, a lot goes into that. But again, like you said, the reason that they, they went from what they did last year to now was just a, a total, uh, you know, nothing to do with the guys as far as their desire to get rebounds. It was
1: their, what was their advantage last year? What was their advantage this year?
0: Coach, anything you'd add about that from a philosophical well, I, standpoint?
1: I, Justin Smith was a power forward playing the three two mm-hmm. years ago, and his main you know skill was being athletic and going getting rebounds. And right. And then this year you you had the two posts, and when one got in foul trouble, you went smaller with Geronimo or Hunter in a more traditional four-out, one-end lineup, and you didn't have as bigs. So that, that could be some of the number two. And, and Dustin's right. It's a philosophy thing. You know, you, you send two back. Do you have a fullback, halfback? That's basketball terminology. Uh, it's always a question every year. What is your main, you know, uh, number of guys going to the glass? And then you might change that up, you know, scouting report-wise. Um, at least at our level, we do. Uh, but that's a philosophy thing about how many guys more than a, a scrappy – scrappiness thing too because you again you can play hard go for offensive rebound not give it give up two points and you come back down miss again be scrappy and go for an offensive rebound and get a leak out again and next thing you know you're down four nothing and you have been (laughs) scrappy you know it's (laughs) right you you don't you don't get points for being scrappy you get points for stopping them and and putting the ball in the basket so it's a philosophy thing i i do think that coach woodson and and again we need to see it to really understand it but their style of play and what they demand and their accountability. Accountability to me is a big piece of this new program, um, and it's a thing that a lot of coaches struggle with. Um, how much do we hold kids accountable in what ways? And and I will say this almost every show. If you're interested in Mike Woodson, get on a plane and come talk to Mike Woodson. When he says <laughs> mm-hmm. that to Scott Dolson, you know he just has a way of saying, you know what. Um, son, you need to get to the blackboard and and, and rebound, and if not, right. your your butt's going to be on the bench. And I think he's got that swag and that confidence. And I'm talking Coach Woodson to get the most out of these guys. And, and so I think the if scrappiness is a word, I think yeah, it's going to be elevated just because I think this means something to Coach Woodson, and, and this might be his last go around in the coaching gig, and he really wants to make it work. Mm. And, and I think accountability is going to be um, one of the biggest features that he brings. Um, that good coaches sometimes, um, lose, uh, because of stress, you know, on winning and everything else, they worry about a hundred things instead of just one simple thing. You're not doing the job. You sit, um, you Mm -hmm. are doing the job you play. Uh, and, and that's oversimplifying coaching, but, um, and that's something that's just hard for us to watch on the outside, uh, because we're not in practice all the time. But, uh, I think the scrappiness will go up simply because of, of his mentality of coaching from what I've seen in, in interviews.
0: All right. So let's hit a couple more of these. Uh, this one's kind of a quick one. Um, this is from Rick. Uh, has Joey Brunk actually said he's playing next year? Or are we all just assuming he is Dustin? You probably would know that as well as uh, probably better than coach or I. So is your, your impression that he's playing mm-hmm. um, based on everything that either has been maybe things that haven't been said as much as things that have been yeah. said, but what's your sense of that?
2: I mean, we're, we're all just assuming he is honestly, but I think, um, you know, I mean, I think the fact that he did not take a senior day uh, was did not take part in the senior day festivities. He, he, we asked him specifically about that if that's what that means, and he didn't say so. Um, but I would be, yeah, I, I would be really surprised if he left. Um, and uh, to my man Jay Horry's point right here, he will play. If, I, I think if if his back allows him to play, if, if he, you know, it, it sounds like everything is going in the right direction. You know, obviously it's a back. You know, and and you know if if those things are tricky. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. He gave us a sense of of what it is exactly what it was. That was a problem. Um, But you know, they they obviously went into it thinking that maybe he'd be able to play at the beginning of the season. So if he can physically do it, I'd be really surprised if he played anywhere else, but Indiana, Jackson Davis sticking around a friend of his, you know, I'd just be really surprised if if he chose to to leave IU. It's still, he's close to family, which is still important to him um, for obvious reasons you know, being close to his mom and his brother after having lost his dad. I mean, there's all the good reasons, I think, to stay. I, I, I've, I, One thing I thought was interesting is he doesn't know what there is left to get as a degree from a master's perspective, but he wants to go to law school, which, which I, I think raises a lot of interesting points about, you know, like uh, the, the school piece of this is like, like you can get as many masters as you want, but you don't have time to go get a law degree. Um, if, if you're going to keep getting these degrees, if you're going to keep st- sticking in for four or five, six years, you don't actually have time to do that thing. Um, but I imagine that he'll probably want to stick around and get another Indiana degree so he can get it into Mauer. I mean, that's a really good place to get a get a law degree and set yourself up. Um, so I, I can't imagine a reason why he would want to – I can't imagine why he would want to leave Indiana. If, if he's going to want to play one more year of basketball, I can't see where else he'd want to do it.
0: Yeah. Uh... Coach, I'll throw this one to you, this from uh, our friend IU Artifacts. Uh, Is this the most anticipated season of IU basketball since 2012-13?
1: No, every season's uh, highly anticipated because the fan base thinks we're going to win NCAA every year, which is a good thing. But so, you know, uh, especially with the coaching change, I think there's a lot of anticipation. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of joy right now because – this is a different direction at least at the minimal i think people can say a lot of us believe it's a better direction some of us believe it's uh, the the home run higher and everything's glorious and, and in, there's just different levels of belief but um when you've struggled for a while uh, this gives a, a little bit of ray of hope to that things are are, are going to be different and and there's just a lot of questions for me yet to be answered Uh, before I I jump on we're a top 15 top 20 team and going to win the Big Ten and all that kind of stuff Uh, and that's just me as a coach uh, trying to analyze stuff I it's hard to separate fan coach Um, sometimes they they both get in the way of each other uh, in in properly looking at at things so there's just a lot of questions Uh, I I look forward to every start of every basketball season so um, for me uh, not not as much Uh, I think It'll be more anticipated once we see the, the kind of basketball and, and it gets back to the consistent winning days uh, to where Big Ten championships aren't a dream, uh, but they're, they're really you know likely to be competed for. And, and our bracketology work is, do we put Indiana as a two seed in the Midwest or a three seed in the, in the West? Um, those days are, I will anticipate those days a lot more than uh, just this um, first phase of a, of a new rebuilding job. Yeah,
0: the only other one I would throw out
1: since that would be the 18-19
0: the season with Romeo coming in and with Juwan back. But we don't need to talk any more about that season than we already have. <laughs> uh, all right, so last question to hit on this one. Um, this is this is a good one. I'll try to do it justice by, and, and read it correctly. Uh, so this is also from Elbows In. If Woodson works and we look back and say, well, maybe an IU guy really did make the difference, What would we say that an IU guy did that only an IU guy could do to help win games? Uh, Dustin, I'll throw that one to you first. Wow, I think that's a great that's a great question. I know, I loved it. That's why I saved it for last. It was it was reading through these, it was really good.
2: It is terrific because I mean, in in fairness, if you're asking me what's going to make Woodson work it's going to be NBA experience before it's going to be IU experience. You know, that. that's my first thought is that the, the, that is the selling point that's working so far is I've been there, this is what it looks like. And whether he played at IU or whether he played at Indiana State or wherever, um, he's been to the NBA, he's coming back. I mean, I, I think that's the more sort of game-changing piece here that's different is the guy that spent that much time in, in the NBA. It, but if, if there is, if you come away with it thinking that, this this worked because it was it was an indiana guy then that means something else th- 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 this thing that's sort of i do not beneath the, beneath the surface but it's obvious is going to come to fruition somehow and it's the value of the iu family as it were um and i don't know what the value of this is going to be yet um but i think one thing that you could see clearly Uh, on that first day that he was hired. I I think it took everybody else a minute to warm warm up to the idea, like sort of the general fan base that was like, well, why didn't we get Chris Beard or, you know, I really wanted Brad Stevens or whatever it was. Man, the old players, and not just the Bobby Knight guys, but ex-players in general, even in that in-between period, were jacked about the idea of having a former Indiana player, and they must have crossed paths with him in some kind of alumni events or, you know, comes to visit the locker room or whatever it was there seemed to be a lot of excitement like i mean i you know i noticed like verdell jones made a point of saying yes i'm really happy we get this guy and verdell jones wasn't born when mike woodson was at indiana you know he was probably negative 10 something like that uh when he was at iu so there there that mattered to guys and the sort of um i i'm interested to see how getting the family together per se the iu family of alums you know, and feeling that like they're completely behind the guy because he, he represents all of them. I'm going to just see what the sort of, um, you know, real value is of that, the, the, the tangible value is of that. Cause you know, one thing, one guy said, I talked to Steve Risley about this. He says, we're going to recruit for him. I mean, like we're going to tell him about any guy we see in our area that can play. And maybe that doesn't matter because you could probably find that out from anybody else, but connections everything there's going to be people there no one is going to be hesitant where you know certainly there were guys especially of the early night era that were like I'm not going to be a part of this thing all the way until there's an Indiana guy in there I'm not going to really feel like I'm part of it no matter how hard those guys tried and Tom Crean absolutely tried his butt off to get everybody involved I can say that for sure he really wanted the family to come together over him I think Archie Miller did Archie's just not that social of a guy um, but it's different when it's an Indiana guy and, and he knows what he's selling. He knows what it's like to be at IU when it wins IU. Um, all those pieces are going to matter. I, 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 I have a chance to matter. I think the NBA thing is bigger right now, but if, if it feels like it, if you look back and say that only an Indiana guy could have done that, that is what you'll say. That, that is going to be the moving piece there. Again, I don't know if that will come into play and matter, but if it's an Indiana thing that matters, it's that.
0: Coach, you got thoughts on this? I,
1: Yeah, I, I do. I think um, if – I wasn't an IU guy because I, I didn't want just to the, – the only thing on a resume is to be you graduated from Indiana. I, I wanted a guy who could coach. And that was when Crean came in and that was when Miller came in. I want the best coach. And I think experience matters. I was stuck in this most recent hire in college experience, and, and, and Dustin talks about the NBA experience, and, and I'll take a different tact on that. I think in handling players – I think the NBA, what makes great NBA coaches and, and even just average NBA coaches who have some success within years as he did at Atlanta and New York is how to get all these guys who are getting paid to be millions uh, or are being paid millions, get them to play and mm-hmm. get them to accept the roles. And I think he can bring that into a, a, at the college level where there's a lot of that. You're recruited as a, as a major prospect. You want to come and play. And it goes back to that accountability piece. I think that experience... If it is an IU guy, and Dustin, you, I thought that was just well said about seeing the tangible effect of that, it's the right IU guy. I mm. think that has to be added. Right. Just getting – if if we just interviewed all guys with Indiana degrees, but some had no experience, and nothing – again, I love Coach Fife and all those guys, but some guys without college experience. Um, you know, Steve Alford has some issues that people wouldn't have been happy with bringing him back. So – uh, to me, um, I don't want to discount Coach Woodson by saying mm. he's only, only being successful because he's an IU guy. Mm. Uh, um, no, if Mike Woodson's going to be successful, is because Mike Woodson's a hell of a coach who happened to graduate from Indiana, and right. he's using that connection to his advantage. Uh, mm. I, do I think someone who wasn't an IU guy who came in and was really good I think Tom Crean tried. I think Archie tried. But those guys had some personality things that either happened at Indiana or who they were that just didn't allow for the whole entire family to come together. The thing that I, I was cautiously optimistic on the first hire, Dustin, as you mentioned, I am starting to come around more and more. I just like the way Coach Woodson is a no-nonsense you know, um, guy. Trace, you're not ready for the NBA. We love you back. You got to shoot the basketball. Hmm. Xavier, you're not ready for the NBA. He, he is just real. Mm -hmm. So he is Mike Woodson, and I'm ready for for us to talk about Mike Woodson, the coach. I understand why we got to answer this question, but Mike Woodson's the coach of the Indiana Hoosiers because Mike Woodson can coach basketball, And, and he's going to be successful at Indiana if he can build the proper relationships, develop players, and get the most out of his athletes, which the last two regimes have not been able to do at a consistent level. Mike Woodson is the coach who happens to be an IU guy and is using that to his advantage right now to bring the family together. If it was the wrong IU guy, we could bring the family together and this thing could implode, and then it's uh, St. John's or, or it's, it's like Georgetown or the multiple mm-hmm. examples of of people of coaches going back that you love them as players, mm-hmm. but they just can't get it done as coaches. I have a, I'm starting to believe that this guy can deal with things uh, by getting five out of six guys back from the portal. But for me, it's Mike Woodson. He's the coach, and he's going to get my loyalty as a fan um, uh, until it just can't be anymore by performance. But he's really earning it because he's Mike Woodson, using his NBA to his advantage, using his IU to his advantage, hiring good staff. It's just been an impressive start. But it's Mike Woodson, the right IU guy, not just an IU guy for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's a a really good point, coach, and I think you both made uh made made really good points on on that one on what was a really kind of difficult but but uh, but good question. You know, the only other thing that I would probably add would be and I think this came through in his press conference, I think this has come through in other things he's talked about where like to this this is his dream job and there've been conversations about whether you know, I think if you're some of these guys, if you're Archie Miller, you probably feel like you have to take it and we can look back retroactively and say, "Ah, maybe that he didn't take it for the right reasons or wasn't totally bought in. Some of those things that came out later, but, but for Woodson, like it's his dream job, his chance to, to do something that he feels an ownership of and a part of that he doesn't want to have any role in tarnishing in any way. Mm. Now that doesn't matter if he can't actually do the job, like it, which is where the part that coach said really comes into play. It's like, I can want the best thing as much as I want, but Uh, if I can't actually do anything about it, it's there, but I do think there's the, the passion. I think that in some ways overcomes, you know, whether it was the age concerns with him or different things like that, I think his overarching passion for the university and the state and all those things can help make up for some of that in the short term. Um, and really that, that pride that perhaps you really can only feel from having been as much a part of things as he was, um, and that helps to build the excitement. And then I think what coach said helps to bring it home, the actual results, because it, you know, I've always been kind of like what coach said, you know, I, I, I don't think anybody would ever sit back and be like, well, I, that was a great big 10 championship we won, but boy, I would have enjoyed it a lot more if it was an IU guy coaching, or if it was more Indiana players on the court, or if it was whatever else, like at the end of it, that's what people want, but if he can parlay his passion for it and and, and his coaching ability into doing it, then I think it all works out great in the end. But, uh, but no, really good question to, uh, to end us with. So with that, I will re where I need to be in the, uh, in the sheet here on a, on a lengthy edition of the, uh, the assembly call, the assembly call this evening. So I'll, uh, I'll wrap us up there. Uh, and, uh, so really want to thank everybody for joining us. Thanks to Dustin uh, for joining us as well. Uh, If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording or apparently anytime during any day as news breaks. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of music you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week or sooner if any news breaks. Until then,
1: take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. I like everything about that.
0: All right. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to wrap this up. Good show. Going to do a lot of uh, post show stuff. Dustin, I I really appreciate you coming on coming on one and Absolutely. spending an hour and forty five minutes with us too. Uh, so <laughs> no problem at all. Uh, definitely appreciate it. And, uh, and like I said, really enjoyed the Xavier Johnson piece, and uh, look forward thank to you, thank you. your coverage of the uh, of the remaining news to come and. Uh, in the season that is to come. So uh, appreciate you joining us. Everybody in the chat mob, thank you for uh, joining us as well for a, uh, a lengthy episode. Coach, thank you. Glad we could uh, get Peace. you both both inside and outside of school to be on the show today. So you've uh, <laughs> <laughs> pulled the double header. So appreciate it as always. But uh, thank you guys. No problem. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks
3: for having me. All right, we'll that. see
1: you guys. Right, see Have you. a good one.
3: Sticky notes. Email alerts.